um, Luke 15. So in Luke 15, um, some religious people get upset with Jesus uh, because he is he's welcoming sinners and tax collectors. So they're, they're, they're angry with Jesus about the crowd he's hanging out with. And so in typical Jesus fashion, he responds with a story. In fact, he responds with three stories. And so Jesus tells a story about three lost things. So he's like, okay, you guys want to give me a bad time for who I associate with. And so let me tell you a story of three lost things. The first lost thing that Jesus tells a story about is a lost sheep. Uh, There is a sheep that, that is lost. And so a shepherd leaves the 99 sheep in his possession and goes after the one and brings it back. And there's a celebration. The second story is about a woman who has 10 coins and that woman uh, loses one of her coins and she frantically and diligently searches through her house to find the one coin that was lost. And when she finds it, she too throws a celebration. And typically we just focus on that part of those stories. But, but the last verse in each of those stories, Jesus says something kind of strange. And if you could look at uh, Luke 15, verse 7, Jesus says, Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner, uh, one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. So he leaves 99 sheep. He goes after the one. He says there's going to be a celebration, joy in heaven for one sinner who repents. Now, I'll give you a little preview into the future is that you might say, well, what kind of person is a sinner that needs to repent? And the answer is yes, all of us. That's all of us. And Jesus is actually kind of telling the religious leaders, like, you guys need to repent. You're all worked up over who I'm hanging out with, but you are the ones that need to repent. And so he says, there's going to be joy over one sinner who repents. And the word for repentance that Jesus uses is this Greek word, which is metanoia. And metanoia, here's what it means. It means a change of mind. As it appears to one who repents, this idea of repents, turning with contrition, turning with with sorrow over your sins to God. It's someone who has a purpose um, that that, that has changed. There's something that's been reformed in what he has done, repentance. But then in verse 10, Luke 15, verse 10, about the coin, he says, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And the, the, the form of the word repents is different in Greek for the story of the coin, the word is matineo. So it's matinoia and matineo. And, and matineo means the same thing. Turn with contrition from sin to God. But then there, there's emphasis on this particular Greek word. It's to change one's mind for better. Heartily to amend with abhorrence of one's past sins. So it's this ag- aggressive feeling of I hate where I was and I, I'm going to turn from it aggressively to do something better. And so Jesus says there's these lost things that were found. And so what we can draw a conclusion from here is that one who repents is one who is truly found. We could also say one who is found then truly repents. So when a sinner, who's a sinner? When a sinner turns with contrition from their sin to God, they are found. And being found leads to joy. Being found leads to celebration. They, the sheep, the coin, are now secure in their owner's kingdom. They're now secure in their owner's possession. 
they can now, the sheep, the coin, you and me, we can experience real life. We can be used by our owner as we were intended. The sheep could not be used by the shepherd when it was lost. The coin could not be spent by the woman when it was lost. The sheep may have enjoyed his stint in the wild. How many of you had a stint in the wild once? You had a, you had a stint in the wild before you were found. And sometimes we look back and like, that may have been fun at the time. It may have felt good, but to be with the flock, to be under the care of the shepherd is far greater than a stint in the wild. And so all of us, we have these wild um, times in our life, but if we look back the difference of our lives now, there's something better about being in the care of a shepherd. And so let's move on to the third story. So we've got a sheep, we've got a coin, and the third story is about a son about a son. And we know this story as uh, the prodigal son, we call this story. And I'm going to read through um, most of it. And I actually would like some kids to, um, to read with me out loud here in a second. But here's what's going on. There's a dad in the story, the father in the story. He's got two sons. And one of the sons asks for his inheritance before his dad dies. Now, this is almost in some ways kind of like saying, Dad, I don't really care about you. I don't really care about our father-son relationship. I just want what you have for me. I just want my inheritance. So it's almost as if the son wants his dad to die. That, that's, that's what this would be like. Like, I just want what you've got for me, and I don't want what we have together. And so the dad agrees to give his son exactly what he asks for. And sometimes God gives us what we ask for, and it's actually not really a good thing at all. And so the father gives the son what he asks for. And in Luke 15, verse 13, it starts to tell the story about the boy after he gets the money. And so who's a kid that can read really well? A kid who can read good. Okay, Quinlan, make your way up here. You can sit up on the front row. Okay, sit right there. And can another kid read pretty good that would want to read something out loud? David, you want to give it a shot? Little Kim, you got anything you want to read for us? Okay. Okay, Brianna, you wanna? Come on, get up here, front row, front and center. No, you can't come over to our house to play with Kylie if you don't, come on up. I'm kidding, I won't make you. Okay, come on up, Josh. You know, your brother's got it. He's got the inheritance, go go have a seat. Come on, Josh, sit, sit by Quinlan right there. She's single. <laughs> Sorry, Quinlan, yeah. Okay, so verse 13. Don't pay attention to the guy distracting everybody. Okay, that's me. Listen to, listen to the Bible. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And so he's got this cash. He's going to go spend it on carnal pleasure, things that bring temporary enjoyment, his stint in the wild. And so, Quinlan, come on up. You can read this, okay? Um, I'm going to have you read Luke 15, verse 14. And so, um, this, this big phrase here, okay? So, you can just read this blue, the blue letters right there. It starts with the word and, okay? Okay. Okay, you don't have to. What, want me to help you? Okay, why don't you, I'm going to read it with you, and you can start reading with me if you want, okay? So, it says, and when he had spent everything... A severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So 
he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. Ah, have you ever worked as a pig feeder? No, that's gross, right? But so Quinlan, you did a good job reading. Thank you for helping me. You didn't need to be scared. You did good. So go have a seat back with your aunt. So um, the pleasure was temporary. He didn't, he didn't get what he thought he wanted. It was temporary. It only lasted for a moment. His stint in the wild was just a stint. And so he's desperate for food to where he has to go out and he has to hire himself out to a pig farmer. How many of you have ever had pigs before? Anybody ever have pigs? My sister and brother-in-law have pigs right now. They basically look like little naked mutated people that run around. <laughs> they look just like human skin. They're, they're horrible. Uh, pigs, yeah. No, no, yeah. My sister and brother, they look, yeah. No, the pigs. You guys are horrible. Mines are in the gutters. Uh, Dwayne and Lisa have a dog that looks like a pig up there right now. He, no, she's cute. Look at how cute she is. Okay. Pigs are great. So the, now why this story is interesting is because um, to, to Jewish people, they, they didn't eat pork. It was, it was considered abhorrent. It was a sin. It was unkosher to eat pork. And so this guy is so desperate, he has to go feed pigs, and the pleasure was just temporary. And so, Josh, you're up, okay? Come on up. Did you roll your eyes at me? Okay, good. Okay, so we're going to read Luke 15, verse 16, okay? And he was lo long, longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. Oh, that's sad. He, thank you, Josh. Give Josh a hand. So he, he's got to hire himself out to a pig farmer. He's desperate to eat. He's desperate. He would just want to eat the pig slop, but no one's giving the guy anything. So right now he recognizes there is misery during a stint in the wild. There is misery when you live out um, your wild ways. There is misery in sin. It might feel good, but deep down, it really only leads to death. And so he recognizes he's miserable. How many of you have ever hit rock bottom before and recognized it was miserable where you were? I have. Like, it felt good, but you hit rock bottom, and now it feels miserable. So he feels the misery, and it says in verse 17, but when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. He's like, man, I had it better at home. My dad's servants get treated better than I do. And here I am living in a pig pen eating, not even able to eat the pig slop. And he's like, I wish I was just a servant. And so here he has conviction. He has an awareness that like, oh, I had it pretty good. How many of you have ever been convicted before? Like God showed you in your heart, this way is not right. This way I'm living is not good. It was actually better before. Uh, and so you become aware of your state of mind. So in verse 18, he says, I'm going to get up and I'm going to go to my father and I'm going to say to my father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. This is what we call repentance. This is repentance of his heart. He hasn't done anything yet, but he has an intention to repent inside of his heart that I've done wrong. I'm miserable. Things were better before. I'm going to go and I'm going to make things right. It's a repentance of the heart. Uh, I need another kid. What other kid can read? Anybody? Quinlan, you already did. Josh, you already did. Um, Paisley, you want to give it a shot? No. Okay. Anybody? 
Give it a shot of reading. Going, going. No. Oh, put the hood on so he doesn't call on me. Okay. Bentley, you want to give it a shot, man? Oh, pull your shirt up. Okay. Last night, I found out that works in 7-Eleven for a mask, by the way. A guy did that. Okay. I've used Taco Bell napkins before. I did not use the T-shirt, but I watched a guy do it last night. Okay. So, verse 20. It says, he arose, so the son arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to the father, father, I've sinned against heaven. And before you, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And then the father interrupts him. He can't even finish his speech. And so the kid gets up, he walks back to his dad. This is now physical repentance. It's not just an idea in his heart. It is actually going back to the father. He is feeling contrite, sorrowful, horrible about his sin. So he turns around, he goes back, and uh, we lose a lot of the meaning of Scripture in English. Uh, but, but in the original language this was written in, when it says the father went to him and hugged him and kissed him, if you read that literally in Greek, what it actually is saying is that the father fell on his neck is what the word means. So he hugged him so tightly that they, they tumbled to the ground and the dad hugged on his neck. How many of your dads have ever tackled you before? Um, like he loved you so much, he fell, fell on his neck. This is a great, abundant, um, unconditional love of the father. And so this, he just tackles his boy. He's so happy to see him. And so while he's trying to apologize to the father, while he's trying to confess his sins, the dad interrupts him. And in verse 22, it says, The father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it. It was the best day of the son's life, but the worst day of the fat calf's life. Bring the fattened calf. Kill it. The boy's home. Let's throw a party. Let's have a barbecue. Let us eat and celebrate. How many of you enjoy eating and celebrating? Amen. Eating and celebrating. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to celebrate. So you can read the rest of the story on your own. Basically, the other brother gets ticked. Um, the other brother does not like the party thrown for his younger brother. It's not what we're going to focus on today. What we'll focus on today is this idea of what the son did. And so his dad, when he comes home, he says, okay, let's put a robe on him. Why would, why would the boy need to wear a robe, David? Like, why would the dad give him clothes? Do you know? No, no. Yeah, like, why would someone give you clothes to wear? Why would someone need to put on clothes? Bentley? Yeah, he, he, he probably was naked. He wasn't wearing any clothes. It says his dad gave him shoes. Why would someone need to be given shoes? Why would you need to put on shoes? Because you didn't, didn't have shoes to begin with. He puts a ring on his finger showing his, his prominence in the family and actually throws a party for him. And so how many of you, maybe, maybe you don't raise pigs like backwoods people, um, but maybe you've been around pigs before. And how many of you kids have ever smelt a pig farm before? It's not a good smell. Pigs, pigs they don't produce um, Axe body spray type smell. And so this boy, as he's coming back home to his father, just imagine he would have stunk. He would have been dirty. And so the father cleans him up. The father puts a robe on him, puts shoes on him, a ring on him, and he throws a party. And so pay attention to this. 
This is what you need to know. If you walk away with one thing today, this is it. In order to step into the grace of God, Belly, you hear me? In order to step into the grace of God, in order to step into the grace of God, you have to step out of the pig pen. You're never going to experience what the Father has for you in your life unless you take a step out of the pig pen. What does that mean? You've got to come to a point of acknowledging the misery of your sin. You've got to become aware of sin and convicted of it. You've got to change your mind about your sin. That's what repentance is. It is a change of mind. You've got to change your mind about it. You've got to put faith in what the Father has for you, not what the pig pen has for you. And you need to act in repentance. You need to, out of contrition, you need to turn from your sin and turn toward God. You need to receive God as your Father and return to the one who truly is your Father. And so the message title today is called About Face Grace. And so in order to receive grace, you need to make an about face. What is an, anybody ever heard that phrase, about face, before? It's a phrase we don't really use much anymore. About face. Anybody hear that? Steve, do you know what that is? An about face? What is it? What is about face? Yeah, turn around. How many of you have been in the military before? Ever been in the military? Okay. A couple people were willing to serve their country. Um, yeah, what, is, what does it mean? In the military? If somebody says about face, what does it mean? Turn around. Yeah, turn around. Turn around. About face means turn around. And so in order to receive grace, you have to make an about face. You have to turn around from your sin and turn towards God. And so when you leave the pig pen, when you turn towards God, here's what I've learned and here's what you'll learn too. God will be right there waiting for you. God will be right there to receive you, to embrace you. He will run towards you. He'll adopt you as his own. He'll invite you into his kingdom and you'll enter into the joy of his salvation, but you'll never enter into the joy of the father if you refuse to get out of the pig pen. And so getting out of the pig pen is repentance. It's making an about face. And so how do you receive the grace of God? Grace of God is just a gift. If someone hands you a gift, you actually have to let go of what's already in your hand. And what we oftentimes hold in our hand is the pig pen of our own mess, the pig pen of our own sin. And even though that sin may feel great and it might be very hard to leave, we actually have to let go of it to receive what God has. You can't receive anything with a closed fist. And we hold on to ourselves. We hold on to our sin with closed fists. But if we would open our hands, we could receive exactly what God has in store for us. And you know what I love about the story? something that, that we didn't mention already, is that the son didn't have to clean himself up. He didn't have to clean himself up first. He didn't have to put on clothes. He didn't have to put on shoes. He didn't have to put on a ring. He didn't need to bathe because we can't do that. You can't clean the pig pen off yourself, the shepherd, the father, the woman finding a coin. He does that for you. God is the one who cleans us up. And many of you act out of religion in such a way that you think you've got to get your act in order. You've got to get your stuff together. You've got to have everything figured out. You need to make yourself right when the Father says, I'll make you right. The only thing you need to do is just step out of the pen and, and start making your way back to me. Make your way back to me and I will clean you up. So the, the story, it begs some theological questions as we draw to a close today. Here's Here's two questions that, that we have to ask ourselves. 
Question number one, does the father come looking for us, find us and lead us to repentance? That's question number one. So is it the father that finds us? Is it the father that, that, that picks us up and he brings us home and leads us to repentance? That's question number one. Question number two is, do we repent and then return to the father and we'll find him waiting? Or does he come to us and then we repent? The answer to that is yes. It's both, isn't it? He comes searching for us. He comes chasing us down. Just like the woman with the coin, just like the shepherd with the sheep, he'll go after you and find you. But here with the son, he didn't go looking for his son. Instead, the son came to his senses, repented, and then returned to the father. And here, here's what we miss in this story. If we had to equate this story to, you know, is this story about someone that today knows Jesus or is it about someone who's never met Jesus? And I would say it works for both. But the story is really about someone who already knows Jesus. The story is about someone who's already experienced the forgiveness and the grace and the love of God because this boy was living in his father's house. He was a son already of his father. He had brothers in the house with him. But you see what this boy did, he was not lost. He was a runaway. And so he ran away. And while the woman went looking for the coin and the shepherd went looking for the sheep, imagine the pain in the heart of the father knowing that he actually couldn't go chase his son down. He just had to sit and wait. You see, God's a loving father. And if we willingly choose to take from him and to leave him, there's times he'll certainly chase us down. But when we've known the love of the father, it's up to us to repent and to turn back. And so with great love in his heart, the father sat and waited for his son to return. And if you've ever known the grace of God before, if you've ever loved Jesus Christ before, but you feel like I've strayed, I've distanced myself, I want you to know you can turn around and the father's still there. All you got to do is turn around. That's it. And he's, he's going to be there. And the boy didn't have to say, dad, I'm home. He didn't have to say, dad, here I come. But instead, the dad was already there looking for him, looking out in the distance. It says he saw him while he was far off. So right when his head starts bobbing over that horizon, he would have said, that's my boy. And from that point, he gets up and he runs, he kisses, he falls on his neck. They embrace each other. They hug each other. There is great joy. There's great celebration. And the father doesn't say, why did you take your inheritance? Why did you leave me? Why did you get yourself dirty? The father never says, I told you so, does he? He doesn't do any of those things. Instead, he runs to him and embraces him and receives him just as he is. And so salvation requires repentance. Salvation requires turning from our sins and turning towards God. And here's, here's one, one area as Christians we kind of, we neglect is this idea of repentance. And it's because in Christianity today, in the Western world, this is what we talk about. And I believe this with all my heart. We say this, salvation is a gift of grace that we receive in faith, faith in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. So salvation is a gift of grace through faith. And is that true? Absolutely, that's true. God gives an abundant gift of grace that we don't deserve, that he gives through his life, death, and resurrection. We trust in him to receive salvation. But sometimes what we forget is that repentance is a part of grace. Repentance is a part of faith. Repentance means that we actually acknowledge that we need grace to begin with. You can't actually receive grace if you've never repented of your sin, because if you don't repent of your sin, you don't even think you need grace. And you actually can't put your faith in someone who desires to save you unless 
you've actually repented and see that they actually needed to save you. And so, yes, salvation comes as a gift of grace through faith, but grace and faith require repentance. Repentance is a message that appears all throughout Scripture. And if we're not cautious, Christians, church, if we're not cautious, if we're not careful, we could have an entire generation of people who think they're Christians but still live in the pig pen. If we're not cautious, we could have an entire generation of people who are Christians but they still live in the pig pen and don't actually live in the freedom and abundance of their father. So let's look at a few times where Jesus mentions repentance. And I'll invite Casey up here in just a second to lead us in a closing song, but I want you to hear the heart of Jesus about repentance. He says this in Matthew 4, the very moment he started his ministry, it says this, from that time, Jesus began to preach saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus says, you want to be in my kingdom? You want to take part in my kingdom? Turn from your wicked ways and turn towards me and I'll take care of the rest. Turn away from who you were and turn towards me and who you could be. Upon calling the disciples, Jesus said he sends them out. It says in in Mark 6 verse 12. So the disciples went out and proclaimed that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and they anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. So Jesus says, repent, my kingdom is here. I want to send you guys out to tell people about my kingdom. But when you go out, tell them to repent, tell them to turn away. That's what John's baptism was all about. Repentance, turning away, turning towards God. So the Bible then tells us in Luke 13, Jesus says, no, I tell you, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. So Jesus doesn't want us to perish. Jesus wants us to have abundant life in him, not death in our sin. And so Jesus says, you need to repent in order to not perish, in order to walk in everlasting life, in order to put faith in me, in order to be saved. You you guys need to repent because I don't want you to perish. Unless you step out of the pig pen, you're going to die in the pig pen. I want you to live in life free of pig pens. You see, God doesn't want us to perish. It says in 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises as some count slowness, but he's patient towards us, not wishing that any would perish, but that all would come to what? Repentance. So God doesn't want us to perish, but here Peter equates perishing with the lack of repentance. So to receive grace, to put faith, you've got to understand, you've got to turn away from sin to turn towards God, you've got to let go of sin to receive the life and freedom that God has. Two more verses. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes and fills the 120 Christians on planet Earth. And for the first time in human history, the power of God is living inside of people. And then the power of God pushes Peter out to preach the very first gospel message, the very first message about grace and faith and the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And as people are listening to Peter preach, it says they're convicted. They become miserable. They become aware of their sins. They need to know what to do with the state of living in the pig pen. And it says that they were cut to the heart and they said, brothers, what shall we do? What should we do? And this is how Peter answers Acts 2.38. He says, repent. That's what he says. Repent. The very first word, the very first response. Peter, what should we do? We're found in sin. Yes, we put Jesus to death. Yes, we see that Jesus is the Messiah, the Savior. 
what should we do, Peter? And filled with the Holy Spirit, Peter says, repent. Repent and be baptized. Every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So Peter says, about face, guys, turn around. I know you rejected Jesus when he was in town. I know you put him to death. But just turn away from that and turn towards him. He's the father that's going to embrace you. He's the father who is going to hug on you and kiss you. And he's going to throw a celebration for you. He's going to clean you up. He's going to put you in a position of daughtership and sonship. And so just turn around, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus. And you'll receive grace and you could put your faith in him and he's going to take care of you. Yeah, life's going to be hard, but it's better to be in the house of your father than in the pen of pigs. So leave. He's going to chase you down and find you like a shepherd, like the woman with the coin. You can't preach the gospel without preaching repentance. You can't preach the gospel without preaching repentance. Luke 24. Jesus had just risen from the grave. And it says in Luke 24, when he's talking to a group of about a hundred of his disciples, it says he opened their minds to understand the scripture. And he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. So here we are 2,000 years later in a country on the other side of the world. And Jesus told the first believers, the first Christians, Go out, preach repentance to every nation. And here we are. And through God's word, he is preaching today in 2020 in the United States of America. Repentance, repent. Turn from your wicked ways. Turn from the pig pen. Step on out and run back to your father because he's there to rescue you, to embrace you and to save you. So repent about face. Romans 2.4. Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. Can you close your eyes as we wrap this message up in prayer and, and start to sing? A loving father is patient. A loving father waits for the return of his daughters and his sons. And sons and daughters who belong to the father, who dwelt in his house before, sons and daughters who've experienced his grace, if we're not cautious, we could be completely satisfied in a pig pen and miss out on the freedom and the blessings and the abundance and the life of God's house. And so if you're here today and you say, Pastor Anthony, I've, I've received Jesus. I love him. I'm a Christian. I'm saved. I've gone to church all my life. Hey, that's great. That's awesome. But a lot of Christians live in the pig pen. And your father wants to lead you to repentance with and through his kindness that will lead you to repentance. And sometimes he comes down with discipline that hurts, that's difficult, that's hard. But it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. He says, 
I want to lavish you with kindness. I want to put a ring on your finger. I want to put a robe on your body. I want to put shoes on your feet. I want to throw a party for you. And so I want my kindness to draw you to me. But in order to be drawn to me, you've got to be drawn away from the pig pen. So brother or sister in Christ, if you say, yeah, I'm, I'm a Jesus person. You'd say, today, God, I need to turn from my sins and turn back toward you again. I need to step out of the pig pen and start walking back to your house. If that's you, don't, you know, don't raise your hand, don't stand up, don't run to the altar, a.k.a. the fireplace. Um, just call out to God in your own words, in your heart, God, you've saved me. I've experienced your grace. I've put faith in you. There was a time where I repented of my sin, but here I am now sitting in the pig pen and I'm miserable. And I recognize that I would rather be a servant in your house than to stay here and to wallow in my sin. God, my sin feels good. It is temporary. It brings pleasure, but it does not bring joy. It does not bring me peace. It does not bring me contentment or satisfaction. And so God, I long for something that is much more meaningful than a pig pen. I long to be in your house again. If that's you, if that's your prayer, if you begin to cry out to God, begin to ask God, God, thank you for welcoming me home. Thank you for embracing me. Thank you for falling on my neck with love and with joy and unconditional love. Thank you, God, for that. But if you're watching today online or listening to our podcast, if you're here in person, if you say, Anthony, I don't know Jesus at all. I've never, I've never experienced the love of the Father. I've never been found by the shepherd I'm that coin that's still lost under the couch and no one's ever found me before. I want you to know this. God knows exactly where you are. And he's been searching for you all along. He's been relentlessly chasing you down like the shepherd. He has been turning over every cushion like the woman in the house, trying to find the one true treasure that is found in a relationship with you. And the treasure is not for him as much as it is for you. Like, what a treasure it is to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You're not really lost. The shepherd, the, the woman searching for the coin, their hand, the shepherd's staff is right there, just waiting to save you, waiting to find you, waiting to rescue you. And literally all you need to do, just like the boy in the pig pen, you just need to turn around and say, God, there you are. I see you've been, you've been following me. I see that you've been inviting me into your kingdom. I see that you've been convicting me of sin. I see that you've been drawing me with kindness. Um, all you've got to do is turn around and see he's there. He'll embrace you. He'll receive you. He'll clean you up. He will lavish you with his grace. He will lavish you with his kindness. He will give you faith to trust in him. And he will throw a celebration. And the life of a believer is a life of abundance and celebration and joy that is found in something far greater than the temporary pleasures of this world in the pig pen, but one that is found in the eternal presence of joy and unconditional love in the Father's house. So with your eyes closed and no one looking around, and even if you're watching at home right now, if you could just tune out all distractions, if you'd say, today, uh, Anthony, I hear your message and I've never experienced that kind of love. I've never experienced that kind of joy. Today, I want to belong to the shepherd, to the one looking for the coin, to the father. Today, I am aware of the misery of my sin. Today, I'm convicted 
of living in the pig pen. And today I want something greater. I long for something more meaningful, purposeful, and joyful. And today I want to put faith in Jesus. And I see that Jesus, he loved me. He lived for me. He died for me. He's forgiven my sins. He rose from the dead so that I can have life. And today I'm turning away from my sins and I'm turning towards Christ. And I am receiving this free gift of salvation. If that's you, if you'd say, today I want Jesus, I'm turning to him for the first time. Even out here in this amphitheater, would you raise your hand and say, today that's me, I want Jesus, I want to turn to him, I want salvation in Christ, I want to belong to him, I want Jesus to save me, I want to have a relationship with God, I want to be a daughter of God, I want to be a son of God, I recognize my sins, I'm putting faith in Jesus, I want his grace, I want his joy, I want his abundance, I want relationship with my creator. Anybody at all say, today that's me, I want Jesus. You're joining online or listening, let us know. Uh, shoot us a message, leave a comment, let us know. Today I'm choosing Christ. And I would say, welcome to the Father's house. One last piece of advice, by the way. They say, okay, once I repent from my sins, is that one and done? Like that's it? I'm never going to sin again? Oh, hardly. Hardly. Um, because I don't know about you, but I still struggle and stumble and fall and do things that I ought not do. And the blessed um, just joy of belonging to the Father is once you belong to the Father, you can always come home. You can always repent. You can always pull yourself out of the pig pen. And many of us have been Christians who wound up in the pig pen who still belong to the Father. And every time we end up there, we can step up again and say, it's time to come home. It's time to repent. And it's time for me to grow closer to the Father so I never want to stray again. And so don't think today that once you repent of your sins, it's your last shot. It's the only time. You can always come home. So come home to the Father because he loves you. He's waiting for you. He wants to embrace you with his love. So God, I thank you for your word today. I thank you, God, that you've called us to make an about face, not because you want us to struggle away from our sin, but because you don't want us to struggle in our sin. Thank you for life and relationship and freedom that is found outside of the pig pen. God, you don't have standards for our life because you want to make our life difficult. You have standards for our life because you want our life to be good. The plans you have for us, God, they're not to harm us, but to prosper us. The plans you have for us, God, give us a future and a hope. And though this world may be difficult now, the future and the hope that we have in you it is far better. So we receive your kindness, God. And we ask that when we stray, that your kindness once again would lead us to repentance. In Jesus' name, amen.